Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Jordan McGee, Daniel Hahn here with you. Sorry about last week, you know, schedules were conflicting, so on and so forth. But we are back and we are two weeks away before the NFL draft. It is just around the corner. Smoke season is at an all-time high as we're getting you ready for the draft. Lots of things to get into in Bills Nation and around the NFL world. Daniel, how are you? How are you doing, my friend? We are, you know, draft season is upon us, which means Brandon Bean's ultimate sort of, uh, I would say, draft off-season uh, off-season capabilities, English is a word, uh, are about to go into full effect here within the next two weeks. I'm excited. The closer and closer to the draft, the more excited I am about this Bills season. Brandon Bean has yet to strike out in a draft yet. Now, I'm not saying he's batting a 1,000 or anything <laughs> like that. And, and by the way, Jordan, I know you're not a, a baseball fan as much as I am. That's really good mm. um, in case you need that assistance. That's what I figured. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, He's had very good drafts. He's gotten starters in every single draft class he's had, whether it be, you know, the home run, the first person they pick. And I say first person because it'd be a first rounder or in last year's case, just a second rounder. But, you know, they still got Tyler Bass out of last year's draft, someone who came in and contributed right away. Zach Moss had some good moments right away. Even A.J. Epinesa, while he's going to get the, the rub as being the first draft pick of last year's class, you know, he came on. He came on stronger as the season went on, and there's definitely some positives to take away there. But they got a lot of production still. Their draft classes. I still think that's going to go less and less and less as this roster kind of solidifies the foundation, and more and more, it's going to get harder to find reps for guys and guys to to qualify as starters as the starting group just gets stronger and stronger. But it's a good problem to have, and and until Brandon Bean really has a big giant whiff. I'm just excited. I can't wait to see what the direction they go in there. They've set themselves up as best as they could be without having any areas of glaring need entering this draft. Obviously places to improve, but I'm just all amped up for the draft. I was even thinking we didn't talk last week. I know the schedules didn't match up. Some of us, you know, had work and other plans and I had to go to Nashville, you know, just had to get my, get my country music out of my system. Mm. But you know, otherwise, Jordan, I'm just really excited about the draft. I think last year, not this time, maybe the next pod or the pod after, we'll do the full seven-round breakdown that you and I did where we kind of pick our top two, who we think should be the pick and who we may want to be picked in those rounds. Mm-hmm. Last year, we both hit on Zach Moss. Yes, we did. We both hit on the fact that they were going to draft a quarterback. We didn't get the right quarterback, 
But quarterback was not on anyone's board, and we all we both were right on it around the same round as well. So I'm excited to do that again. But otherwise, how are things going in your neck of the woods? Things are going good. You know, it's funny because you bring up the draft last year, and obviously the world was in a much different place a year ago. Like this was like it was funny because the draft was kind of the first big sports thing to kind of happen after the initial shutdown. And it was kind of weird. You know, we got the Roger Goodell and his den turning around to his TV being like, get fired up fans. Uh, we're not having that experience again. There's going to be in person in Cleveland. Uh, you know what that looks like, how many fans will be there. I'm very kind of interested to see how that goes. Uh, so we'll have much more of like a, a normal NFL draft feel within the next two weeks. But there was something about a year ago, just how odd it was just watching it and just being like this. It's a draft, but it also feels super strange, uh, you know, with everyone home and so on and so forth. So I am looking forward to this draft. I think it's a very intriguing draft. I think the Bills, uh, my kind of overall look at this is it's not a high-stress draft. Like, you're looking at a team like the Jaguars or the Jets or, you know, even, say, the Dolphins, who there's a lot of pressure on because they have high picks. They want to they land good players. Uh, not that the Bills don't, but there isn't this, like, oh, my God, we need to land on this pick. We need to absolutely hit a home run on this pick. Um, you know, the Bills want to get it right, obviously, but there isn't this amount, there isn't as much pressure for the Bills as, say, like a Jacksonville or Atlanta, uh, among other teams drafting, you know, within the top five, top 10 of the draft. So it's, and not to mention that the Bills have pretty much filled a lot of their offseason needs and there isn't a glaring, uh, position that they really need to fill. So this draft is going to be very, very intriguing. And again, only around the corner, almost two weeks away. It's it's going to be a very fascinating draft because there's a lot of moving parts that could happen here within the next two weeks. And we'll get to the draft. Obviously, we have a big draft segment for my favorite mock. We have some movers and shakers that we didn't get to last week. So we definitely have some ways to go around. But I think that's a good point. Last year, the draft was the first kind of sports people had you know like of any sort and i'm excited just to see how they do the draft this year i i enjoyed the peek inside the homes of the different gms and coaches um there was some comedy in there some wtf moments for sure when you think of uh mike brable for for one (laughs) um there was nothing stereotype about mike zimmer in minnesota having a bunch of giant you know antlers and stuff on his fireplace that looked massive in Minnesota there it it fit in so many different ways but you know the the one thing I know my wife was upset because she you know we're big animal fans and of course Bill Belichick had to have this cute dog up there that ruined mm. it you know like don't we don't want to have any likeness for you whatsoever like get away um so we'll talk about the draft here a little bit and and but before we do there are a couple bills news and notes to update everyone on the bills are not done making signings. And again, this talks about positioning for the draft. What needs you mentioned some of these other teams like the dolphins who are kind of looking to make that next step. They kind of need a home run, not just because of the fact that they need to, to like hit a giant playmaker to, to get to the next level. But, where they're picking, they're in the top 10, and you don't get there very often if you're expecting to be a perennial playoff team like the Bills are. So when you're in there while you're building, you got to hit every single time, and that puts more weight on the Ed Olivers and Josh Allen and that whole crew 
But for the Bills, they're positioning themselves to not have any glaring needs in the draft, and they addressed the offensive line these last couple of weeks. And the first one I want to talk about is an offensive guard, Forrest Lamp, a uh. former Los Angeles Charger. This is one I believe that I was intrigued in in free agency. I didn't know what he was going to cost. He's had a few different injuries along the way in his career. But this is a guy who's played for the Chargers. He's obviously been coached under Anthony Lynn, who Bills fans know pretty well, someone who's going to emphasize running the ball, um, emphasize that type of dynamic in your offensive lineman. He has 18 career starts, 16 last year. Uh, so, Jordan, this is a player that's coming to Buffalo. I believe he's coming off an injury as well. It's one of those intriguing ones because you look at it on the service, you talk about the offensive line and how good they could be with the names that we already had. But you're here comes Brandon Bean saying, yeah, you could start with those five, but here, let me throw some more competition in the mix. Let's see if Cody Ford can hold off uh, Forrest Lamp here. And, yes, there will be lots of gifts of Lamps turning on. The podcast, a Twitter account couldn't resist. This is an intriguing one, one I very much like and looking forward to, but I don't know what it's going to bring. Is he going to beat out Cody Ford, or is he just going to be a rotational backup? But I think this is a great training camp addition because you have a lot of starts there, and it's definitely a guy who replaces like a Brian Winter, someone who had that same type of background in camp and on the team last year. Well, yes. The name, when I saw Forrest Lamp, I'm like, I know Daniel's going to tweet a, a Lamp gif. I mean, how can you not with that last name? You have um, to. I also am like, for, again, this kind of speaks to the amazing sort of work that Brandon Bean has done with the limited amount of cap space that the Bills had. He's had made at least 20 different signings, I have to imagine, just in total of all the free agent signings, re-signings, bringing in players. It's at least 20 different acquisitions. And again, it uh, he is balling on a budget. And that's what I think is the big thing is that he is, you know, we thought, okay, maybe there's not going to be a ton of signings. And we were wrong. You know, you could have told me with the amount of signings that the Bills had, it felt like the Bills could have had like 30 million in cap space, but they had, I think, less than what, 10 million, five, less than 5 million, honestly. Um, so again, he is like just plucking guys. He is on a budget and he's finding guys that fit or, you know, at least will be training camp bodies. Now, whether, you know, Lamp makes it onto the roster is, you know, to be determined in training camp. But the fact that, you know, again, we're just seeing more and more signings. Granted, they're not big, you know, money acquisitions, but the fact that Brandon Bean is still somehow finding money, even with the amount of limited money he has to have with all the signings that he's already done, like with the Matt Milano's of the world and the Levi Wallace's and Daryl Williams and company, that he's still finding a way to bring in guys, which again, speaks to, I guess, two things. One, how he can really work on a budget. Maybe I can learn a lesson or two from Brandon Bean on how to how to maximize my budget. Um, but two, it is that increased of, like you said, bringing in competition uh, to training camp, that no starter is safe, that you want to breed that competitive um, environment. You don't want to be complacent. You don't want complacency, um, you know, in terms of your guys being like, I don't have to compete. I got my job. I'm good. I think that's really good. And I think it's healthy for everybody involved to kind of like, hey, there's a guy who could take your job bring me your best stuff. And that's, you have to keep that competitive drive going throughout the off season and going into 2021. So 
Brandon Bean continues to work some magic. I, I don't know how he does that, but he can certainly maximize a budget. Well, it's also fitting into the culture that the Bills have. They haven't shied away from getting competition at every position every year they've been there. Now, you can make the argument, well, that's because they haven't had a, much, a lot of talent at some of these position levels. And true, but even as they've been building up the talent, look at Levi Wallace, for example. I mean, that guy has fought off wave after wave after wave of veteran free agents, including some draft picks coming in there to take down his job. And they keep he, he resigned. He had a choice to go elsewhere, and he resigned. Players come back. They want to play in Buffalo. This is part of the deal. If you're going to play in Buffalo and you're going to be part of this long-term answer, there's going to continually be uh, footsteps behind you of players that also want your spot, and I think that makes everyone better. Players are used to this at the highest levels, and it's just on brand. It's not surprising, and I think that's going to get a lot of merit. You're not going to say, oh, Deion Dawkins, you're the left tackle, but we're never going to sign another tackle. Like That's not what they've told him, and, that, and Deion Dawkins knows – the drill, right? That's kind of what goes into this. So Forrest Lamp coming in, like someone who has a high, um, I think a high ceiling in terms of talent and someone that you hope that could really push Cody Ford to even be a better version of himself or push John Feliciano to, to take another level too. It just helps everyone across the, the offensive line and it provides depth too. Don't, don't deny that. Like even if he doesn't win the starting job, but there's an injury, this is a guy that can come in there and, and you can count on him to do what he needs to do. So they weren't done on the offensive line. They also signed offensive tackle Jameel Douglas, who, unlike uh, Forrest Lamp, who had the 16 starts last year with the Chargers, you know, Douglas, he's a four-year vet. He's had only, well, I think he's had longer than that. But he he has 11 career games started over the course of four different seasons. And, you know, he's played for the Dolphins, the Titans, um, no starts for Tennessee last year, but I also look at the teams that they've pulled these linemen from the chargers with Anthony Lynn. Obviously they wanted to be a, a running team. They, they had Justin Herbert. They threw a little bit more as they, the season went on, but definitely a run for first philosophy there in Los Angeles. And you get an offensive lineman from that crew. And then a guy who's, you know, been with Tennessee each of the past two years, I think it's pretty clear that their horse is Derrick Henry. And when you look at, Brandon Bean's comments about wanting to improve the running game. It's not just about the running backs themselves. These are guys who come from strong running programs across the NFL and are going to bring that tenacity, I would say, to each play when they do get in. So Jamil Douglas, another guy, a rotational backup left or offensive tackle. But note for me, coming from programs that run the football very well, I don't think it's a coincidence. Yeah, I mean, again, I like again. You like the signing. We like the different kind of lightman, like you said. Uh, again, I'm going back to the point of I'm looking at this and saying, okay, that you're really shoring up a lot of positions, and I think that you know, to me, and again, maybe I don't know because Brandon Bean is such a wild card, right? That I look at all the moves on the offensive line, and one would think that okay. They're probably not going to address this in the draft. Like with the amount of signings that they've gotten, they're probably not going to address this. And that could be the case. It also could not be the case, right? Like we're looking more at like what are the positions we've talked about, like what the positions are that the Bills are going to address. And we'll get to it later, right? Um, you look at like it's my, mainly for me defensive end and cornerback that kind of are the two standouts, uh, that especially in terms of the mocks. And we'll get to that in later on so forth. Um, but again, it's that commitment to 
you know, building sure, making sure the offensive line is stout, is safe, and is strong. And then for me, I think it takes the it takes the offensive line position off the board in terms of drafting because we thought going into this offseason that could definitely be a need. I'm not saying that they won't address it at all, but you know, unless a God forbid Panay Sewell just drops to 30 by some sort of God-given magic, you know, the Bills aren't going to, you know, probably invest in an offensive lineman. So I like the moves. Again, it's shoring up depth. It's doing what you have to do to make sure your star in Josh Allen is protected as much as possible. You can never have too much protection. And it just makes sense. Another body to compete with. And, you know, protect your, really, your biggest investment, which is your quarterback, Josh Allen. Exactly. It's all about protecting that franchise quarterback. You're about to give Josh Allen a uh, Brinks truck full of money. But there is no quarterback in the NFL that can win without a strong offensive line. It's pretty clear that's the case. Even no matter who the Hall of Famer is, it's always been, well, the, the way to beat this guy is to sack him or put pressure on him. Don't let them get comfortable. It's all the same. And the Bills know that. So getting these depth signings and these additional competition is only going to make them better. So next up, this is not transaction-worthy, but Tredavious White was on the Chris Collinsworth podcast, and he was actually interviewed by Richard Sherman, another cornerback. I need to check that one out myself uh, more because that sounds interesting to me. But he was quoted a few different times in some articles, and, and I'll tell you up with this. And he was quoted in the, the articles where always say, Davis White dished on quarterbacks, right? He, you know, and I'm thinking, oh God, did he just Jalen Ramsey someone? Yeah. You know, did he just call someone trash? And then we got to hear about it. This is the extent of this is the difference between I think the culture of guys the Bills have on their team. Not that they don't have some trash talkers, they most certainly do, but not to the extent that maybe a lot of other stars are, and that's how they make names. The Bills players kind of have this high IQ and high culture type embedded with their them that even when they're successful, they're still pretty darn polite. So his dishing on quarterbacks, and I'll, I'll sum it up. He talked about Sam Darnold, former Jets quarterback that will also hit around on around the NFL. He said that Sam Darnold could make every throw in the NFL. He can do it all. He's got speed. He's got um, he's got he move with his legs. He can make every NFL pass. He's got all the ability in the world. Just for some reason with New York, it didn't feel like things all came together. But on paper, physically, and seeing him play, Sam Darnold can do everything you want a quarterback to do, but it just takes people different amounts of time to put it all together, and it just hasn't happened yet for Sam Darnold. Um, before we go to the other two, I mean, is there a kaboom sound? I mean, oh, my goodness, what a dish. <laughs> but... <laughs> But Tredavious White says that Sam Darnold can do everything. Like, okay, that doesn't sound all that bad. That sounds actually pretty complimentary uh, there, Jordan. I mean, I think he's maybe, I would hope, learn from, you know, Jalen Ramsey and not to just trash quarterbacks. I mean, listen, I mean, I've said it before. I still think Sam Darnold has potential to be a really great quarterback. I think Sam Darnold can be a, a franchise quarterback, you know, the, there's a reason why he was so highly sought after in 2018 and he was considered the best quarterback prospect in the class. So I, I think there is still potential. And I think he was just in an organization that just failed to build around him. I mean, the Jets just failed to do anything good for him. So 
Um, you know, they didn't give him enough weapons. The offensive line was just abysmal. Uh, they tried bringing in Le'Veon Bell. That didn't work, and that was a nightmare. So, you know, I, I still believe he has potential, and I think that he can be resurrected, you know, um, as if, you know, he didn't have a great run in New York. Maybe, you know, this new start with his new team will, you know, potentially catapult him to that you know, level that we thought he was going to be coming out of the draft. Um, but I, I think Trey is absolutely correct. I think Sam Darnold is a, I think is capable of being a franchise quarterback. He just has to be in a franchise that's actually stable and can build and be willing to build around their quarterback and not just kind of go with the, I call it Aaron Rodgers approach where we're just like, we're not going to really build around you. You're just going to have to bail us out. And Sam Darnold could not bail out the New York Jets. No, he's not at that stage in his career, and he's also just not been durable yet. I mean, I know mono is one thing, but he's had other injuries, too, along the way. And and it's not maybe the amount of injuries. Like, it's not like saying, oh, he's never started 10 games in a season. He has. The problem is it seems like his injuries happen at, like, start and stop moments. It'll be, like, right after training camp when you're supposed to get going, and then he has to come back in the middle of the season. Then he gets a few games, and then has to go out once he starts getting into a rhythm. It, I think, for me, it's the – Playing for the Jets is a bad franchise. As of this point, they just aren't good at building around quarterbacks or building teams that are stable. That's just not their MO at this stage of their franchise yet. But they've also, you know, Sam Darnold himself hasn't been able to, to stay healthy and on the field and get in a rhythm. And part of that is, you know, poor offensive line play, having to be asked to do too much. Um, but I think if, yeah, if he can get on a stable franchise, I would like to see what he can do. But when I'm asked about Sam Darnold a lot, I'll say the talent's there. The I've seen flashes. He's had good games against Buffalo. He's had good moments. There, there's really no reason it shouldn't work out other than the fact that he can't stay on the field and, and maybe the franchise can't build around him. So I agree with Trey Day as well, but these aren't – and and to summarize, none of Tredavious White's comments are going to be uh, smacks or, or bulletin board material for anyone, really. The next person he talked about was Tua Tagovailoa basically saying that he believes that the Dolphins have had many opportunities to get away from Tua if they wanted to, but they're fully invested in him as a franchise quarterback. And he understands why, because of what he did at Alabama, he's got talent. And he even referenced the fact that Fitzpatrick was a closer, if you will. And basically he chalked that up to the fact that there was no preseason, no training camp. He's coming off an injury. So you're just easing what's going on in someone's plate as a rookie, but he expects Tua to take a giant jump year one to year two, similar to Josh Allen. So he expects Tua to be around for a while. And in a similar vein, he talked about Cam Newton speaking that the Patriots weren't set up accordingly maybe to run the offense that Cam Newton likes to run, but you see what they're doing now with the signing of Nelson Aguilar, adding a left tackle, getting the two big tight ends. The Patriots now are setting themselves up to really hone in what Cam Newton likes to do. So he expects a giant leap of production and improvement, both in Miami and New England at the quarterback position. You know, speaking on Tua first, I want to go to a point of like Alabama quarterbacks, because it was not that long ago that Alabama quarterbacks were seen as like system quarterbacks, right? Greg McElroy, um, you had, oh my God, I'm forgetting his name. He was a backup. For AJ the, McCarron. AJ McCarron. You know, these guys were backup, or not backup, but they were system quarterbacks. These guys were kind of like, you know, 
okay, you know, they're good enough to get the job done. And then, you know, Tua comes along and he has, you know, an incredible college career at Bama, right? He gets drafted. And now we're seeing this with, like, with Mac Jones, right? Mac Jones, you know, Alabama, right, has a great season. And now I'm seeing Mac Jones being projected as high as third, you know, to the 49ers. There is something to be said. I think that a lot of these Bama quarterbacks are now getting a lot of the benefit of the doubt. Like, well, they played in the SEC. They played really good, you know. But is that then a beneficiary of, well, Mac Jones was playing with Devonta Smith and, like, NFL-caliber weapons, right? And, you know, when you play at Alabama, you're afforded every luxury. You're going to have the best offensive linemen, the best wide receivers, the best running backs, the best everything. You know, when you go to an NFL team, you're not going to have that. You know, you're not going to always have the best linemen or receivers or running back and so on and so forth. So, speaking to the point... Listen, I mean, Tua could very well make the jump in year two. You know, Josh Allen took about, you know, a year or two and then to where he is now. So I think, obviously, you know, there is still a lot for, you know, Tua to improve on. To be honest, in the games that we did see him, especially that Week 17 game, I was like, uh, what? I I don't see it. Because that was a competitive game. That was a game the Dolphins needed to win to get to the playoffs. And Tua just did not look good. It could just be, hey, he's a rookie and needs to learn. Um, So the jury is still out on Tua. But I will say I have to question if he was, you know, in part beneficiary of the Alabama system in that, you know, we saw him play really great at Bama. But was it, you know, partly because he had a really good, you know, Bama's a college football powerhouse and in the NFL it's a lot harder and it's not the same sort of luxuries that you're given at a you know top program like Bama so these are just things I think about and then with Cam I don't believe he's the starting quarterback I think that is smoke I think that is malarkey if I'm putting it lightly I don't know why I'm I'm on like 80 I want to say malarkey but it's bull honestly they're got the Patriots are going to draft a quarterback if they do not draft a quarterback this year, Bill Belichick is on some sort of something. Drugs, some some type of, of illegal narcotic. Because if you think that you're going to go into next season with Cam Newton and think we're fine and that's it, I I, I question Bill Belichick. They're going to draft a quarterback. There's no way about it. I, I If they don't draft a quarterback, then... I, I really have to wonder what Bill Belichick is doing. I think they're going to draft a quarterback. And we'll talk about the draft itself coming up. And they will. This is the year for me that they take a, a prudent approach to maybe invest a higher pick. Jared Stidham was what was he? He might have been a second rounder, but I think he was like a third or fourth. I feel like he wasn't like that high up there. This feels like the draft where they're maybe trying to move up. And you've heard rumors of them potentially trying to move up to potentially get Justin Fields maybe Trey Lance, but I agree with your point on Alabama quarterbacks. I do think Cam Newton, I still am a very big Cam Newton when healthy is still a very good weapon in the NFL. There there's, he is a challenge for opposing defenses because he is a unique monster on his own. The problem with Cam is he can't stay healthy he clearly regresses the year went on last year. I don't think it was because teams were figuring it out. His accuracy just kind of, it just kind of faded. They're, 
there is going to be a scenario where Bill Belichick will need to consider the long term. You know, how long do you want to keep this Cam Newton thing? He's not going to get younger. He's not going to get healthier. Um, so I definitely think that this is the time where you draft his apprentice potentially, and you look at the offense you're building and say, this is something we can sustain. I'm surprised the Patriots brought him back, quite frankly, because of his inability to maybe win games on his own late in the game in the fourth quarter because his style is his style. He's not going to magically go from runner to I can throw the ball 80 yards down the field in a minute and win the game. That's not his thing. So, but I do think he's very good and he's a weapon, and I'm, I prefer facing New England later in the year when he's a little more banged up. That being said, to your point about Tua, 100% agree on the history of Alabama quarterbacks. The only thing I can think of with that is NFL is adopting more of the spread offenses, and Alabama has also adopted a little more of the spread offenses. So now you're seeing a little bit of apples to apples in, in scouting of these players, and you can see how they interact with guys who have NFL speeds, um, NFL hands, and all that sort of thing. Can they read defenses? I'm not a huge Mac Jones guy, personally. Granted, yes, they destroyed UK like 69 to 3 or something like that this past year, but. Strangely, during that game, I'm like, he's not that impressive to me. I mean, he just wasn't. Um, And I heard a lot of hype about him. So, again, Bills aren't in the quarterback race. I just – I look at this conversation that Tredavious White had, and I just look at it and think he's giving proper respect and not underestimating his opponents. I I can sit here as a podcaster sitting – talking to you, Jordan, and say Cam Newton is – his best days are behind him. I don't think it's a shock to say that. For Travis White, he knows on any given Sunday, the old Cam Newton can probably show up for a couple quarters. And if he does, the Bills are in trouble if they overlook him. And that's that's where you have to rest if you're a player like that. And I do think it's too early for the Dolphins to give up on Tua. The only inkling that they might is the fact that Deshaun Watson may have been available. And for their sake, it's probably better they didn't make that move. Mm-hmm. Just the way things are going for Deshaun Watson. But it is too early when you have to a quarterback that high, you have to have more conviction in him than just like, oh, you played a couple of bad games, you're done. That's more Jetsian, right? That's more of their approach, not a good franchise. So that is Tredavious White's comment again. That's from the Chris Collinsworth podcast. He was interviewed by Richard Sherman. Uh, I'm sure Richard Sherman was trying to pull out some more uh, mean answers, but the Trey White Goalie Academy prepared him well enough for PR that he was not going to fall for it. So next up, Jordan, the NFL has put out a paper admitting that in 2019, the blindside block call on Cody Ford in the AFC AFC, uh, wildcard series against the Houston Texans was incorrect. That was a blown call. And that call basically cost the Bills that game. Um, At that point, there were other things that led up to that. Obviously, the Bills had a huge collapse leading up to overtime. But in overtime, they were driving. They were in field goal range. They were ready to go than that. You know, blindside block, kind of put them out of field goal range, punt the ball, and the Texans win the game. Jordan, I have a problem with this. I, and I, the problem here is simple. Why did you have to tell me that? Right. I would prefer you I prefer you didn't. Keep it under wraps like who killed JFK or what really <laughs> goes on in Area 51. Just archive that somewhere in the NFL headquarters, never to be seen again, and maybe 40 years from now they can say, oh, calls the change refereeing this was not a blindside block cool we've been training our referees for the past 40 years to not do that ever again just so you know thank you that's all i needed i don't need you to tell me that that doesn't make me happy that just 
do we get to replay the game now? Can can we try this again? It's, what a waste of time. I did yeah. not need to hear this two years right. later. Like, what was the point? What was the point a year and a half after this game happened to be like, ooh, hey, we messed up. Whoopsies. Like, we knew this at the time that it happened. We were screaming about it. You could go back into the episode where we talked about it afterwards. That that blindside block was not a blindside block. And they only are like, oh, hey, we just caught up with two bills in a pod. You know what? You guys are right. Of course we were right. What was the point of this? What was the point of this a year and a half after this game happened to then come out publicly and be like, yeah, so we kind of messed up. Like, granted, listen, let's be real. Even if the Bills won that game, they would have played the Chiefs. Would it have gone well? Probably not. But who knows? Who knows what could have happened, right? Like, you know, we'll never know, I guess, so to, so to say. But I'm just like, we knew this at the time. We knew this. That blindside block was not a blindside block, and the Bills could have won that game because Hauschka, I mean, remember, made that field goal from like 50 yards out to send it to overtime until you felt confident that they were in field goal range. They were in field goal range, and they could have kicked the field goal. It was like third down, and they could have kicked the field goal to win the game. But no, 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 no. Uh, you know, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I would rather, like you said, I would rather they just said nothing. And leave it at that. But just a, just a random, just like, oh, BT dubs, we were wrong. Like, just come on, man. Come on. There's there's no need for it. It just riles up the fan base. And maybe that's what they were intending to do. But the ripple effects of that game are substantial. Do I think the Bills are going to make the Super Bowl that year? No. They had a lot of flaws in their, their game. They were probably a year away. We all thought that. But if you got to advance another round and play New England or Kansas City, I have to believe that might have prepared them even better to face Kansas City this year. I mean, there are ripple effects to these games, like getting multiple playoff games, getting that energy, getting that experience. For the guys that were here, just sets you up for further evaluation of your own players, gets you more mentally prepared, puts you in better positions to, to, to win. Now, would they have been able to trade their first-round pick for Stephon Diggs? Blah, blah, it would have been a lower pick. I get all that, but... This was stupid. I didn't need to hear it. Everyone knew it. You can tell me human error is part of refereeing. I'm okay with that because humans are referees as far as I know. So the fact that it happens in every game and situation is great. I, I can accept that. Just admit that. Don't try to defend a bad call. But also, unless you're going to try to propose that this is going to be for replay in the future, I don't really care. I, I'm, I have blocked that out of my mind for now. I don't want to talk about it. It was horrible, but I had to bring it up because we have this podcast and they brought it up. Not us, they did. Um, but yeah, that needs to go back to the archives. But don't worry, Cody Ford's record has been expunged. I hope he gets his fine money back. That's the other thing that I'm waiting on because he was also fine, fine for that blind side block too. So hopefully the NFL has that on interest that they can send back to him. So next, Jordan, we've alluded to it, but I think it's time. Let's get into my favorite mock. Mock! Yeah! Ing! Yeah! Bird! Yeah! 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 Mockingbird! Don't everybody have you heard? And this week, we will go to NFL.com's Peter Schrager, who's also the host of Good Morning Football, one of the hosts, had his first mock draft 1.0 out there on the NFL.com website. You can find it on their draft link. Uh, Jordan, it's interesting, and it's interesting for a couple of reasons. First things first, one, two, three, four. 
first four picks are quarterbacks off the board. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, and then Justin Fields. The fourth one, though, is something we've alluded to a little earlier. The Patriots. He has a mock trade of the Patriots flying up to where the Falcons were at pick four to select Justin Fields. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you want to talk about the order of the quarterbacks you think is right. I think it's starting to play out that Trevor Lawrence, duh, well, should be going to Jacksonville. Zach Wilson feels like the Jets. It, I mean, something could always happen, right? You don't know until you know. But the Jets are definitely taking a quarterback. We know that. And we also know that Zach Wilson is doing very well in interviews and workouts. Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Kyle Trask, you know, Trey Lance, all those guys, it's kind of iffy on where they go and style of preference. But they have a – Peter Schrager has a a trade-up with the Falcons to get Justin Fields. I'll say this. I don't disagree that the Patriots may trade up to get a quarterback or may take a quarterback this draft, but jumping up that high is going to cost them quite a bit, and they've just invested a decent sum in Cam Newton. I can't see them doing that unless they're really convicted about someone, and I don't think it's going to be Justin Fields. Well, in this scenario, he says that basically – the Patriots give up their first and second rounder in this draft, and then next year's first and a third, which is that going to be enough for Atlanta to move down 11 spots? I'm not sure. I mean, it's just uncharacteristic like of the Patriots to move up that high. You know what I mean? I could see them moving up, but from 15 to 4, 11 spots, that is a really, really tall task and i mean and for a team that makes their living building draft capital to just dump it almost all of it out like that that seems very uncharacteristic right and it's also to the fact that let's just be real if you look at the past you know couple of years of the draft for the patriots they really haven't drafted that well so you know you're putting your all your eggs in a basket for a justin fields i mean i don't know is it i don't see bill belichick doing that because it, it, it reeks of being desperate. And especially with the money that you gave Cam Newton, like you pointed out, are you going to be that desperate to move up to get a Justin Fields? Because I think that, in my mind, the quarterback that they go after is probably a Trey Lance. I could see them moving up to around 8 or 9, where Trey Lance could still be on the board. I think that's a little bit more realistic in terms of them moving up and not giving up as much capital as going from 15 to 4. Um I, again, these are mock drafts. They're for shock value, right? Like, well, the Patriots traded up. Like, you know, there's a bajillion mock drafts like that. So I don't see this scenario happening. I would be I would be stunned if they moved into the top five to draft a quarterback. I would be too, and I agree with you. There's a lot of guys that they can maybe build behind. Or Trey Lance is a very interesting one because he hasn't played a lot of games. I think he only played, what, one last year, two last year, or sat out last season. One of, the, one of those weird kind of stats with him but someone who has a very high ceiling but may need a little bit to acclimate back into the NFL game or back into football in general. I like Trey Lance a lot. Kyle Trask is another one that kind of just feels Patriots-y, you know, in terms of someone they might take, but not someone you have to jump up in the top ten to go get. Um, so, yeah, I agree with all your points. I, it's still hard for me to believe these mock drafts where they have five quarterbacks in round one. I feel like every year that's the case, and it, doesn't only, it only happens on rare occasions. But when you're talking five quarterbacks, is this draft class as impressive as, you know, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, 
Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. I mean, that is the amount of quarterbacks that were first-rounders, and now you're going to say the same thing. Now, granted, not all of them worked out, and not all these guys will either, but that class had a lot more hype, I felt, the entire time leading up to it than this one does. This just feels like there's desperation, so let's go get a guy, which maybe that's why they get taken, but not probably promising for the future of these franchises if that's their only reason for taking someone. The next pick that I'm going to say is interesting here. Pick number seven, Kyle Pitts, the tight end from Florida, goes to the Arizona Cardinals. They make a trade to move up and go get him. I've seen Kyle Pitts mocked a lot to Miami, so I'm just kind of hoping that doesn't happen. But even though I think it will, Kyle Pitts to Arizona, I just want to hit on this real briefly here, Jordan. Um, how many fantasy players will the Arizona Cardinals have if they added Kyle Pitts? Because now you're talking Kyler Murray, Kyle Pitts, Deion, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green is there, in case you forgot. Uh, their defense added J.J. Watt and uh, what's his name from Tennessee. <laughs> ah, crap. I'm forgetting everyone. But um, that just seems like a ridiculous addition of talent that Arizona – I mean, good Lord. I mean, I kind of want to see it, but then again, I'm kind of like, whatever, guys. Just It's going to be literally Texas Tech football in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, again, I, Kyle Pitts is definitely going to be, I think, out of all the players, is going to be like the top like rookie fantasy pick. I think to me, like if you're looking at, a court, or like at players that's like, ooh, I want to, you know, take this player in my fantasy draft, I feel like Kyle Pitts is going to be at the top of that. I mean, there's a lot of teams that will be willing to move up for him, especially in this quarterback crazy class. It definitely feels like for sure that Trevor Lawrence is a lock. Zach Wilson is a lock. Um, I, I, uh, Justin Fields is a lock for round one. Uh, it's looking more and more. I think Mac Jones is a lock. I think Trey Lance is a lock. I think that's five. That's five quarterbacks going round one. Um, it's it's a lot. It's certainly a lot of quarterbacks and going that high. So again, that only benefits the Bills. If you have so many quarterbacks going that high, you know, trickle down players will fall to you at thirty somehow, some way. So let these teams be quarterback needy. Um, but to me, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be the top fantasy option. Um, I think there's a lot of high expectations for him to be like a next Travis Kelsey like player. I mean, he's got a lot of potential. We'll see. Um, but he's definitely going to be a hot commodity for, like, fantasy football. Um, but, yeah, Kyle Pitts, I mean, if the Bills had the capital to move up to get him, I mean, I would, but you're not moving up from 30 to 7 to draft a tight end, even as good as Kyle Pitts. But, you know, hey, maybe uh, you never know how the draft board will shake out, I guess. But, yeah, no, there's no way he's falling to 30. He's not falling out of the top 10. I mean, he's too good of a talent tight end position when you have a really elite one like you've seen around the NFL with various teams. It is a difference maker on the field. The Bills want that. There was no way to get that in free agency. They weren't going to pay what the Patriots did for those two tight ends. I'm not sure those two guys are definitely guys that you want to pay that much money to either. And where the Bills are picking in the draft, this tight end you know, draft class just doesn't have a lot of those guys. And Kyle Pitts is the exception. He's going to be in the top 10. Bills aren't getting him. So the main thing for me is don't go to the AFC East. We continue down this mock draft. One of the guys that I'm big on, Rondale Moore, goes to the Jets in the mid-20s. I don't like that. No, 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 no. Don't want to see that anywhere near there. Um, but that being said, we'll go to the Bills now at pick 30. And you can scroll down the other 
picks are interesting along the way. Rondell Moore's off the board. The running backs are still on the board for the Bills who want to take them, but Peter Schrager has the Bills at number 30 taking an interesting name, a familiar name, Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State. I believe this is one of your, you know, when we went around position by position, who might be draft guys that are looking at the first round. This is one of your guys. It's also a guy the Bills have interviewed for the second time, got a lot of run this week as well. Someone they are clearly interested. I don't want to say where they're interested. It's unsure because it could be smokescreen, but they do pick guys they interview, and they have now talked to him for a second time. He obviously, based on the name, Asante Samuel, I think you know who his dad is. He's grown up in the game. He's got the pedigree. Um, This is a very interesting player who, as the write-up says, can play multiple positions in the backfield. Being versatile is going to appeal to Sean McDermott. Having that high football IQ coming from a football family also will appeal to Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. This is one that is very realistic if he's there. Is it a reach? I'm not sure based on his size, but this is the, one of the few mocks I've actually seen Asante Samuel Jr. in the Bills completely synced up, but with all the reports of him having multiple interviews, it's definitely one worth discussing. So, Jordan, what are your thoughts with Asante Samuel Jr. and another cornerback on the board? I mean, I would be happy if this was the pick. I'd be really happy with Asante Samuel because, again, it is going to be corner or edge rush. I think that's, that is corner, edge rush, and then maybe running back in round one if they go after like a Travis Etienne or a Najee Harris if they're there. I think it's very likely corner, corner, edge rush, and then maybe a slight chance for running back. So you're looking at guys who are going to be there, you know, and Asante Samuel seems to be like there. And again, from you're looking at his scouting report, he can play multiple different positions, which is nice. Um, like you said, he has the football pedigree with his father. You know, it seems like a high IQ kind of guy. You know, it's a position of need, right? You want to shore up that second corner position. Um, yes, his size is a bit concerning, but he's very athletic can make plays. I would be very happy if this was the pick in round one. Um, it, it seems not very predictable, but it seems like almost like I can narrow it down. If the Bills pick anything other than corner, edge rush, or running back, I'll be kind of surprised. I could see maybe linebacker, but even then with the resigning of Matt Milano, I'd be a little bit like, a little bit what? Um so outside of those three positions, if they draft anywhere else, I would be I would be pretty stunned. But to me, it's a competition between the corner and edge rush, and you look at the board of who's there and who would you who is who is the better of the position that you think okay we can take here at thirty. I'm still going best player available. I'm almost I am positionless in thought, and I love Asante Samuel Jr. I'd be thrilled with the pick because again. Maybe positions play a little bit of weight into where they're picking, what they're picking. I think positions play more into the depth of talent in the draft at that position. So, like, if you forego an offensive guard in round one, maybe you do that because, hey, I need a cornerback because the talent pool really thins out quickly, but I can get an offensive guard that's closely rated to this guy, you know, rounds three, four, whatever, no big deal. I don't think that plays a role, but, I agree with you. I like Asante Samuel Jr. I like the versatility. The size is a little bit of a concern, but they've managed with Levi Wallace out there pretty well, and he seems to be pretty adept at holding his own. If you're going to put a first-round grade on a guy that a, that's a cornerback, understand the last time that Bills did that was with Tredavious White. So 
you're going to walk in with some pretty high expectations. And I would expect that the Bills' outlook for this individual should be similar. I, I don't think it's always apples to apples. Class to class is a little different, but based on how Brandon Bean evaluated, well, huh, yeah, based on how the Bills evaluated Tredavious White when they traded back and still took a cornerback, I would assume that a cornerback picked in round one would have similar traits or similar styles. So I'd be, I'd be open to the idea, and I like it in this scenario. I'm still sticking to my guns and saying I would have preferred Travis Etienne only because of the home run threat. And I still believe that the home run is a dynamic for the offense that they could really use. But I'm not saying they can't use additional corners because they had nobody that could cover anyone in Kansas City last year. They had nobody that could make Patrick Mahomes hold on the ball long enough for anybody to get close and touch him. So do I see the need? Absolutely. Do I make think it's a great fit? Yes. Would I be upset? Nope. And, and unfortunately, I'm not going to have a strong opinion either way unless they draft a punter because Jordan – I just I trust Brandon Bean. They've set themselves up nicely to go best player available, and if they say that's the best player, I'm okay with it. And I'm sure they will because they've never said, well, he wasn't our top guy, but hey, we, we got what we got. They'll never say that, but I'm okay with it. I just, I'm a little different than you in that I don't care about the position. I care about best player available, and it's irregardless for me of position. I do love Asante Samuel's style, though, I've seen a few of those cool YouTube mixtapes to get me hyped about him in the draft. Um, I think he can offer a lot to the Bills, and he's got a good knack for, for football. He's going to fit in very nicely and be quick to get up to speed and, and compete, probably a little quicker than even Dane Jackson was, who was a seventh runner, and that's what you expect with a first-round pick. Um, Jordan, I will give you a chance to re- a rebuttal on that. I've been watching a lot of you know crime dramas lately, so I know how court proceedings go, but before you do that, just want to close this mock out with the last pick of this mock draft has the Tampa Bay Buccaneers picking the sixth quarterback in this mock, which would be Davis Mills from Stanford, a name that I don't know. I didn't know that was coming up there, but it's there. Um, Jordan, I'm sure that one was clickbait, but I mean, what are your thoughts on this mock overall? If we can talk more about it, Samuel, um, Davis Mills out of Stanford closing out seems just like clickbait to remind everyone that Tom Brady's old, but he's not going anywhere, which annoys me. But overall, I, I do like this mock. It's very intriguing. It's got a lot of different picks to different places and some of the same faces, but they're definitely moved around throughout this draft. I mean, overall, I mean, listen, I think that like, yes, the Bills could go BPA, right? Like that's a very well the route they could go. Um this draft ultimately to me for the bills is going to be kind of a wild card draft because I can sit here and say, well, corner and edge rush, right? Those seem to be kind of like where the bills would go in round one, but Brandon Bean doesn't care. Like Brandon Bean has kind of has been in Buffalo long enough for a couple years now and it's gotten the bills to where they are now where he could just say, screw it. I'm going to take this guy. Doesn't matter that it doesn't make sense, right? We're going to just go with this route. So there's a lot of areas that they could go. I mean, you know, could they go BPA? Absolutely. I think Brandon Bean has kind of earned the trust of like the organization to be like, all right, we're going to, you know, if this is where you want to go, uh, you know, we're going to trust you. But, you know, this draft ultimately is going to be a wild card because we have, I have expectations of, I think they'll address this position, this position, this position. 
it could very well be thrown out the window because however this draft board shakes out, who knows? Maybe the Bills trade up. Maybe they trade out of round one. I could see I could see that happening. Who knows? So this this is going to be a very wild card draft for the Bills because in years past, we've had expectations of like, this is where they're going to go after. This year, I'm not so much. I can point to corner and edge rush and maybe running back, but that all could be, you know, who knows uh, how Brandon Bean approaches this draft. It's going to be very much like, a, we'll have to sit back and see because there are some question marks in terms of how they're going to approach this draft, and that makes them all the more fascinating to me. Yeah, I agree, and it just it goes to the approach. The Bills are in a great position for the draft. They're set up nicely, and Jordan, not to put you on the spot, but I think next week, yeah, I'm feeling... Uh, yeah, I'm feeling next week is maybe our final. Let's go through all seven rounds and pick who we think the Bills are actually taking in each one and, and see how we come out on the other end. So get your uh, get your YouTube mixtape scouted if you want me to send you some names. I can. I'll be happy to. Um, I know you missed those. Now that I've been, now that our draft guru Dean Kindig just, you know, cannonballed my hopes of any UK players going to Buffalo, but I can still send them to you. They're all they're all in the, the tips mm. of my uh, my my Twitter fingers. I can just send you all the, the mixtapes if you want. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll do that next week. So we'll have an extended draft coverage that we definitely expect the transactions for the bills to kick down even further. But Jordan, let's wrap this pod up and go around the NFL because there are some things to touch on that I do think are very important. And first things first, Sam Darnold got traded to the Panthers. Yeah. It seems like a lifetime ago because we didn't have a pod last week. So Sam Darnold, he is out the door. The Jets got, I'm going to say they got some underwhelming value in return um, for a player that was thought of as their franchise quarterback. There were some teams that I assumed would be in a bidding war for Sam Darnold if they liked them. There were various reports that fans and media like Sam Darnold more than NFL scouts do, which definitely put a damper on that. But Sam Darnold... Goes to Carolina. There were videos of him when he found out the news. I have to say, he looked a little more giddy than he was when he was drafted by the Jets. I'd be, too, if I was leaving the Jets to go to Carolina. But he goes to play for Matt Rule now. The Panthers have to figure out what they want to do with Teddy Bridgewater, who, once again, finds himself behind Sam Darnold, of all places, which is a little odd. <laughs> but but I think Teddy Bridgewater will find a home, potentially, if someone will take on that salary. But Sam Darnold gets a second chance, and you look at the setup, which, at least on his perspective, he's going from a Jets team that didn't have a lot of playmakers to now a Panthers team that, when healthy, has a lot of speed at the receiver position. They have one of, if not the best, running back in the NFL and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Matt Rule did decent his first year. I won't say that he like impressed me to an extreme, but given with what he had to work with, I thought he did pretty well for his first shot at the NFL. Um, I think it's a great landing spot for, for Sam Darnold to try to get this thing turned around a little bit and see what he can do for the jets. It just, you know, removes some of the mystery for them coming into the draft. It removes some of the mystery for them trading out number two. They're definitely taking a quarterback and they're clearly with a new regime, turning the page on Sam Darnold. Yeah. And I think that this is going to be a better situation for him too, as well, because the Panthers could be the beneficiary with picking at eight, with all these quarterbacks going in the top five, that Penay Sewell could drop to them at eight. And it's looking more and more likely that that could happen. 
And that would be a huge addition for Sam Darnold to play with Carolina. Like you said, Christian McCaffrey. You've got DJ Moore there as wide receiver too as well. That they're in a much better position to succeed. And I'm very interested to see, again, can he succeed, right? Can he succeed in Carolina? Because we've been seeing a troubling trend of teams giving up on quarterbacks. Now, the, the Jets are moving on because, hey, there's an opportunity for Zach Wilson. It's a new coach, new regime. They're moving on, right? Um, but if Sam Darnold can revitalize himself in Carolina and prove that he was worthy of being that, you know, top five quarterback that he was a couple years ago in terms of his uh, draft placement, I think it's going to be a huge win for Carolina. They didn't have to give up a ton. Uh, you know, they give up some significant draft capital, but nothing that is, you know, future first or anything like that. So this is a smart bet for Carolina. Take a chance on Darnold. Uh, you know, if it doesn't work out, then you go back to the drawing board. But if it does, then, well, by God, you just found a, a franchise quarterback and didn't have to give up, uh, you know, tremendous capital to do so. Yeah, exactly. And, and the Jets just, man, there were, what was that said? They're the first great team in NFL history to draft a, two quarterbacks in the top five in, within four years. I mean, just a great example of uh, how not to run your organization. But new regime, new GM, new coach, all that good stuff from when they last got Sam Darnold. It's important that you get the right guys in place. It's important you get guys that fit your culture. We'll see if you know rumors are of Zach Wilson being the guy. I will say as a Bills fan, I didn't want to dislike Sam Darnold because he seems like a, a good person. He's Josh Allen's workout buddy, his draft buddy. I don't want to dislike friends of Josh Allen. I, I don't want to do that. So now I feel like I can, from afar, enjoy the career of Sam Darnold and him having success and all the workout videos of them with Jordan Palmer somewhere. You know, I I can now enjoy that a little bit more than like, yeah, he's nice, but I really want you to fail miserably because I know the Jets will fail if you do. So, so yeah, we'll see where this goes. Teddy Bridgewater now is the interesting question where he goes. I don't know if anyone's going to take on that contract. I don't know if it's worth moving out from Teddy Bridgewater because, again, Sam Darnold has an injury history. You may need him, but we'll see what happens. So next up, Julian Edelman has retired. Um, he is no longer a Patriot. He, he gone. He failed a physical and then decided to retire, released a video. Everyone on Twitter, at least the national people are talking about is he a Hall of Famer? Is such an emotional video. The video, Jordan, was whatever. Thank you, fans and blah, blah, coaches. That was great. Jordan, I'm telling you this now. If Julian Edelman is a Hall of Famer, and I think there's a potential that he will be because the media kind of drives a lot of this, and they love Boston and championships more so than production. If that guy's a Hall of Famer before, like, Eric Moulds or Lee Evans – who players with better statistics than Julian Edelman? Granted, they didn't have the rings. I, I don't want to say I'm going to throw myself off a bridge because I don't want to commit to that. But <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I mean, the fact that there's even that conversation is just I get honor the career, good Patriot, maybe retire him as a Patriot because he helped you get a bunch of Super Bowls, but not the best wide receiver of his generation. Not any of the not any year that he was in the league would I say he's top. I don't want to say top 10. There's probably one year where maybe he was, but definitely never a top five receiver in any year that he played. Um, good postseason player, but also on a great postseason team. 
doesn't mean everyone in that league the team involves a Hall of Fame, but he's retired. I have to say, as a Bills fan, I'm happy. I another one of those Bills killers back in the day that would just have great games against Buffalo and really torch us and shouldn't have, but definitely an end of an era when you think of the Patriots' style of offense with those shifty slot receivers. He fell, you know, in the mold of Wes Welker, Damian Amendola. Now those guys are kind of out the door and they're back to the big two tight ends. But Julian Edelman, hope he stays retired. I definitely can see him landing up in Tampa like everyone else. But Hall of Famer, I don't want to hear that too much longer after night one of his retirement because he ain't. I mean, let's be real. I'm not going to be surprised if he comes out of retirement to go to Tampa Bay because why not? Tommy Boy's back in Tampa. Bring back the gang. Um, good. I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he's gone from the Patriots. I'm glad he's retired for now. We'll see. Um, he was he was a killer. He was an absolute killer for sure. And it's more of the dismantling of the Patriots dynasty that brings joy to my cold, dead, beating heart. Uh, so good that he's gone, but I don't think this is the last. I feel like he's coming back for one more season with the Buccaneers. I just, I just feel like it's a matter of time, really. To be honest, like you know, go chase a ring with Tommy Boy, right? Bring back the old gang. I feel like it's a matter of time, honestly. I, he's not going to be retired for that long. That's just my gut feeling. But um, him off the Patriots, great, good. You love to see it. I, yeah, I'm happy he's retired. <laughs> I just, I don't want to see people leave because of injury before their time. But when you do play in those many postseason games that those guys have had, it's not a shock that their bodies break down a little bit quicker than maybe some others when you look at the age. Next up, and I didn't see this in the show notes, but it's important for you to know, uh, former Steelers running back James Conner signed with the Arizona Cardinals. So that, again, another player moving to new places. The Cardinals find a replacement for Kenyon Drake. We talked about their fantasy you know, all over the place. James Conner, a little bit of a different style running back than I would have thought would go to Arizona with all the pass catching they do, but definitely guys had success in the league. Um, Jordan, thoughts on James Conner to Arizona? I think it's an interesting signing, but also one where the Steelers are clearly, you know, they're they're in a transition mode right now. You know, I certainly like it. I think that, you know, it's it's not a risky move on the Cardinals' part. Um, Conner really struggled with his time in the Steelers this past season. Uh, just was not productive at all. Maybe a new change of scenery could do him wonders. Um, you know, and again, a little bit more of a dynamic offense uh, in Arizona rather than Pittsburgh. It's a buy low move for the Cardinals. I like it. I don't know how much production you're going to get out of James Conner. Um, you know, I don't know if his best days are behind him, but we'll have to see. I mean, again, if he can be anywhere near like a 500 yard running back, then I think that's pretty good value for what they got. Agreed. And next up, maybe my. Well, let's go with the most interesting one. The Netflix is making a movie about Sean Payton's year away from coaching. I don't know if you've seen this news or not. Yes. Um, and the person cast to play Sean Payton is Kevin James. Kevin James. Now, this is going to be run by Adam Sandler's production company. So um, Adam Sandler picking his friends to do his movies is not new by any means. But I don't know. Can you see Kevin James as Sean Payton? I can't. Uh, the man who played Paul Blart Mall Cop uh, playing Sean Payton is a um, 
Uh, uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, acting role for him. It might be the most serious acting role I think Kevin James has, has done. I, I don't think there's no is... way it's a serious movie, right? I no mean, way. What is it a comedy? What like what like the comedies of Sean Payton? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I can't see Kevin James being like a serious actor. Like, it, I mean, and Adam Sandler's directing it, or his company's directing it. I'm just like, um, what what are we going for here? What why are we making a biopic on Sean Payton? Because I look at Sean Payton and I look at Kevin James. They don't really look alike. They don't look anything quite alike. So I'm not sure what they're going for. Um, I, I'm a little bit scared to see what serious Kevin James looks like. But, uh, you know, it's a bold choice, Cotton. We'll see if it pays off. Now, it, I, I assume it's a comedy because of Adam Sandler's production company, because Kevin James is in the lead role, because the Atlanta Falcons already posted the Paul Blart, Sean Payton, Blart, Mall Cop kind of joke. They've kind of put Sean Payton's head on Kevin James already as a joke, and I think that's great by the Falcons' social media team. Kudos to them. Um, I really now just want Gary Busey to play Greg Williams. That would be, yes. I just want to hear him scream, attack the head over and over again. I think that would be fantastic. Um, there's, There's so many options with this, but more to come on that i'll probably watch it just to see but um yeah so there's that coming out um and finally we don't know any news yet but it i think by the time we record next week jordan we'll have some clarity Jadavion Clowney is entering his second visit with the browns on wednesday it, all indications sound like they have the parameters of a contract in place and this is kind of formality that he may end up being a cleveland brown by the end of this week if not sooner Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett as edge rushers. Mm. Ben Roethlisberger really should have retired last year. I, yeah, I, 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 Ben, why are you playing, bro? Why are you playing at all, first of all, for Ben Roethlisberger? Second of all, the Browns have made a lot of good moves this offseason. They signed up with Troy Brown, the corner from the Rams. They made a they made a lot of good moves this offseason. And I know this Browns team, they you know, they got all the way to the AFC divisional round. This Cleveland team is doing a lot of good things. And if they're able to land Jadavion Clowney, I get that he's not like the Jadavion Clowney that he was at South Carolina. But still, you know, Jadavion Clowney, Miles Garrett edge rushing duo that's pretty scary so this browns team uh you know i think they're making a claim to say hey we could win this division this year i mean they'll be in the mix for sure um you know and if they can land Clowney again it doesn't put them over the top but um you know again Clowney is not that kind of number one pick that he lived up to be but he is still a potential you know a, a, a factor on that defensive line and it just it, it makes that defense for the Browns a lot better and definitely a lot scarier to see him play against. Until Jadavion Clowney signs, he, there's still an outside hope for Buffalo fans that he could be part of the solution to getting after the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, right? You don't know the asking price, you don't know the length, but he's definitely a name and a style of player that would fit what you need to get over that Kansas City hump. And when you look at the Cleveland Browns, they were knocked out by Kansas City as well. They played them closer than what the Bills did, too, in my opinion. They were a little more competitive. 
and the Browns had no recollection of a defense last year. They needed to get better on all facets of their defense, and Jadavion Clowney is another piece of that puzzle that they're adding to it. They spent a lot of resources on the defensive backs and linebackers, clearly tooling away there, but they have the same I mean, everyone in the AFC, Jordan, has the same problem. How do you beat Kansas City, right? Like, that is the big elephant on just about everyone's whiteboard as they try to figure out how best to draft players and free agency. And the Browns have that, too. Jadavian Clowney and Miles Garrett, um, by God, that sounds like a very scary uh, combination for opposing quarterbacks. The Bills will probably have to run into the Browns at some point that they'll have to deal with them, but Bills aren't in the division. And thank goodness, because Joe Burrow, Ben Roethlisberger, good luck. Lamar Jackson has a lot of legs, and he's going to be using them. So uh, I like that move. If that's what the Browns make, we'll have to see the money that comes out to it. Because like you said, Jadavion Clowney, not really the number one overall pick in the draft type talent, but clearly a factor on defense, a guy that you have to game plan for, you can't ignore. And when Miles Garrett's playing opposite him, that's going to feel pretty good, and he's used to that playing off of J.J. Watt for many years in Houston. So we'll see about that. But, Jordan, that is all I have for this week. We are just that much closer to the NFL draft. And we are getting closer and closer and closer. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Two Bills in a Pod. Again, we are on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, you name it. We are on it, and you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Two Bills in a Pod, so you can catch every single episode as it drops weekly. You can follow Daniel at Han on Twitter. You can follow me, Jordan, at osmcgee 44 on Twitter. Next week, we'll go round by round for our predictions of who the Bills will take, so make sure you stay tuned for more NFL draft coverage. It's almost here, and stay tuned for more Two Bills in a Pod. We'll talk to you next week. See ya! Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.